Hey, what's happening? Long time no see. It's Tuesday, October 26th. Back from one entire week of vacation, which I haven't done in a long time. I've had some short trips and some breaks, as you know. Just been visiting some family. Had some positive but big changes on the home front in the last couple months, but I did have a great week. Uh, No kids, warm weather, lots of alcohol, and lots of rest. Really, I was going to bed early pretty much every night because I prefer day drinking. I just have grown to love that more. But what a week I picked to take off from the podcast, from the news. Holy shit. Alec Baldwin killed somebody. Um, It's not funny, but I've really struggled with what emotions to express because when I first heard it, I thought, holy shit. It's like Brandon Lee all over again, Bruce Lee's son, who was killed in a similar accident, mishap, act of negligence back in 1993. That popped up while I was on vacation. So because I had Wi-Fi, I was all over following that one and harvesting some of the most beautiful memes. And is it too soon? It never is. Not for a dickhead like Alec Baldwin. We'll talk about that incident. Dave Chappelle doing his thing. That's been going on for a couple weeks with the good old LGBTQ plus minus question mark uh, crowd. And the trans community just loves to hate Dave Chappelle. And the best part about that is Dave Chappelle gives zero Fs. He does not care. He thrives on it. And he made a great point today, or actually in an appearance, which have been selling out. He's already sold out his next appearance in London, so the market has spoken. People are tired of the transgender community minority deciding what we should believe is normal, what gender is. Live your life, identify how you want, but stop trying to change the game board to fit you, 0.3% of the population. Chappelle's not having it. He said basically gender is fact in his last appearance or his last Netflix special, The Closer. They've had walkouts. It's been awesome. Um, the We'll move on to D.C. We'll talk a little bit about Joe Manchin, who is not a moderate. Manchin's going to end up agreeing to some kind of $1.5, $1.75 trillion debt-crushing spending bill that Biden will sign as a victory. Manchin's going to come along. Manchin loves the attention. This is also how Manchin stays elected in West Virginia, a state where Joe Biden didn't win one county. It's always been surprising, but some of these holdover Democrats in heavily conservative areas have a strong name and relationship with the community, and that's fine. I love the people of West Virginia. I've never met somebody from West Virginia I didn't not only like but love, but Manchin might be the first. I haven't met him, but he's kind of pissing me off. And it's because I think this is all a charade. He knows he has till December. And so we'll chat a little bit about what uh, recent opinion poll of Manchin is, um, is saying. Biden had a town hall. That might have been the biggest mishap of the week. There were a few. Um, we'll chat about that. I think one of the best articles was written by the Wall Street Journal titled The Confusing Mr. Biden. And, of course, um, we have all kinds of other news to discuss but it's, it's really starting to get interesting. And, and, of course, we have to talk about the governor's race. I've talked about it a, a number of times, been following it, and I'm getting more and more optimistic, not falsely, not just to make myself feel better, but Terry McAuliffe is frightened. 
He is scared of Glenn Youngkin in Virginia. That governor's race, that election, is next Tuesday. Early voting is over. So early in-person voting is done. It finished Sunday. And McAuliffe was not supposed to have to campaign hard on this one. He was not supposed to really be close. He's been governor before. He's a known name in a state that has been damn blue for a while, okay, and should stay blue. Meaning, When I say should, meaning by all safe numbers, Virginia has been lost since Trump's first election. It's, beginning, it's getting more blue. The northern part of state is living out. It, tons of young, white, guilty liberals living there, infesting the area, walking their cats, their dogs, their soon-to-be annoying kids, and voting for people because they think they're doing something for minorities or people that they would never invite over to their homes or hang out with. That's the group of sick, sickening sycophants that elect guys like Terry McAuliffe, but not so fast. Youngkin has essentially tied the polls. And the problem for Democrats is when the polls are close, you want to look at who has been trending which way. Where's the momentum been? Well, the polling momentum has been heavily for the Republican Glenn Youngkin, who's an outsider, who's been doing bus tours with hundreds and hundreds of people. I mean, these are short, quick stops that are mobbed. A few thousand at his evening stops. Now, Terry McAuliffe, with Barack Obama, had minimal attendance and needed Dave Matthews, Dave Matthews of the Dave Matthews Band, to show up for an evening concert, a get-out-the-vote event, to get to what they said was 2,000 people. Now, why does this make me nervous? Well, first of all, I shouldn't be nervous. This is a huge victory. The Republicans have nothing to lose here. Glenn Youngkin is not supposed to be this close. Now that it's close, I can taste it. What can I taste? I can taste liberal tears. And there's nothing better than liberal tears. They're perfectly salted. They go with anything. And I love them. It tastes just as good as the blood coming from their political noses when they get punched in the face. That's a good mix. Bloody liberal nose, liberal tears. That's what we want to taste next Tuesday evening. Keep in mind, Glenn Youngkin might still lose. It's going to be close, and that is a moral victory. It's my least favorite, but we've got him running scared. And if McAuliffe wins in some super close election, it's not going to be a true victory by Democrats. Now, the media will celebrate it as such. Prepare for that. They will celebrate this as a weather vane or some compass telling us the direction of the American voter. You've got to be kidding me. We know where the American voter stands on the current administration. Even Saturday Night Live is making fun of it, talking about the only thing to visit the southern border is Joe Biden's declining poll numbers. I mean, you're getting played and trolled and hammered by Saturday Night Live as a Democrat. These aren't, and, and they're getting laughs. I mean, no one can defend Joe Biden. Now it's just, they're trying to actually just, I think, shift away from how gross and awkward and pathetic his very few appearances are. And let's, let's go into detail and talk about Joe Biden's town hall, which was a stroke fest hosted on CNN by one Anderson Cooper. And if you know Anderson, he's not one to turn down a stroke fest, either from the giving or receiving seat of the event. He was certainly on the giving, right? Anderson Cooper 
must have had chafed hands after the assistance he gave Joe Biden during that town hall event. It was gross. And it was so bad. I mean, even with the assistance and even knowing we know Joe Biden had every question handed to him in advance of that pathetic event on CNN. And you could it was hilarious because one of the guys who stood up and asked him, I believe, about the border was just where, where Biden said he's not been there but needs to get down there. And redheaded Jen Psaki tried to cover that saying he drove through once. What the F is that about? The fuck, man? And this is the President of the United States, and it's supposedly good enough that he's been there back at, he was there in 2008 going to a campaign event, supposedly. No one knows how close he got to the border, but he was in New Mexico, which is irrelevant. It's not the Texas area that's going to be visited by thousands and thousands in the next migrant wave that's heading right towards Tejas. Joe Biden's only answer was, I've been there once before, but maybe maybe I should get down there. He's got no clue. He froze up. He looked like he was shitting in his depends a number of times. He couldn't remember that there's a port in Long Beach. And he said, basically, that we're screwed with the shipping and supply crisis, which I've been talking about for over a month. And it's not going away. And there is a solution. And you can read on a Twitter account of the CEO of a company called Flexport. This is the only guy that actually got in a boat and toured the L.A. and Long Beach harbors. He went to the L.A. harbor, that is, rented a guy's boat. The guy loved it because this is guy, normally his business is he takes people out in a boat for memorials. Like ashes to ashes, return this body to the sea. Depressing days. That's this guy's life. So this captain of this boat was thrilled because he was touring the port with some important people. And this Flexport CEO has released a tweet with every solution that Joe Biden could fix this. One, did you guys know that you can't stack shipping containers higher than two, more than two high, in Southern California, Long Beach or L.A.? They can't stack them higher. The problem with that is this is not a trucking problem. It's more of a shipping container problem, according to this Flexport CEO. So the CEO of a company, private industry, turns out to be smarter than the president of the United States. Big shocker, that's always going to be the case. There's a reason people are in government, and there's a reason people are CEOs of global corporations involved in the logistics that we rely on to live our daily lives, i.e. the CEO of Flexport. And this guy has this solution. He said a president, presidential executive order could fix a number of things because even though these ports are in California, they are federal. It's like federal land. And so you can overrule any leftist nutbag West Coast environmental aesthetic law that is crushing us right now and is going to lead to more and more problems. Yes, that's right. If Joe Biden signed an executive order allowing these storage areas to stack the shipping containers higher than two, we could solve the problem, or at least a big part of it. And that's one of the problems this guy talks about, is it's not just the containers coming with stuff in. The truck drivers returning with empty containers have no place to put them. They're getting rejected. And so now you have companies, retailers, spending thousands and thousands of dollars on air lifting, air cargo, to get products here for now and the upcoming holiday season. Sorry, I'm drinking a protein drink. I have to. I ate a lot last week and I'm trying to starve myself for the next seven days. Um, and so you can't, you can't just easily drop off an empty container 
and then pick up a full one and do your full one and do your job as a trucker. So trucking is a part of it. But what this guy said, this Flexport CEO, is basically it's a container issue. And every day that it is not fixed, it's getting worse and worse. Imagine them all just stacking up, right? You got ships upwards of 70 just waiting. And these are massive, massive ships full of these shipping containers. You've seen them like the Maersk, Alabama from the uh, Tom Hanks movie where he played. It was a great, great role, great film. Uh, captain something. Can't remember the name, but um, the, the best line is, uh, I'm your captain now, right? That Somali actor who's gotten some great roles since. But Captain Phillips, I knew I'd get it. Just had to ramble on a second and trigger my warped brain. But um, yeah, these guys are these guys are seeing it. They know what to do. And what does Joe Biden say in the town hall? Uh, we'll just, you know, I don't have a solution for that. He's got nothing. He's got nothing for inflation. Prices are going up higher than Americans are making money. I've seen gas prices over $5. I'm hearing that it's over $7 a gallon. And all we can do right now, all these sickening losers in D.C. in the Biden administration can do is go to OPEC, go to the Arabs, right, which Trump didn't have to do anymore for oil. Now we're back to asking them to release more supplies that we depend on. This is what making America great again and saving America, Trump's new campaign, when he is the nominee, and he will be, let's just take a second and address the fact that Donald Trump is raising millions and millions of dollars and will be the nominee for the Republican Party running for president in 2024. The only thing that will stop him is his age, meaning health. And I swear, I don't think he's as old as he says he is, or he's just extremely healthy and there's something to the McDonald's diet. But he's just one of those guys. High energy, great health no matter what he eats, no matter what he does. Because I don't think he exercises. I envy the man. He could use, you know, he'd probably lose a little weight, would help his health long term, but he beat COVID. Needed a little help with that, but still. So he might come back bigger, badder than ever in 2023, running for 2024. But if he does and if he's able, guys, get your head around it. He's the nominee for sure. And I think he stands a great chance to win based on what's going on right now. But... Before we go back to Joe Biden and the topics I mentioned, too, we have to think about Trump and understand that the rhinos are going to come out once they realize that if he runs, he's the nominee. And a number of experts have said that, most of them endearingly on the right. But there is this pathetic movement. There's always somebody that has to stand out and be different. If you've heard about it, it's this GOP 2.0. And it's led by the lieutenant governor of one and, a, one and only Georgia. His name's Jeff Duncan. And all he's done is get up at a few speeches and whine about Trumpism and basically talk about how the Republican Party has to be different, has to be um, part of a new movement. He's dismissing any of the fraud allegations that were so rampant in his own state. This is a big cover your ass temper tantrum from the guy that was under a lot of heat when things got out of control during and after the election in Georgia in 2020. Now he's pissed, right? And he said it says here in his book, he's got a book out, Big Shocker. He's selling a book. What he's trying to tell us is that we need to go back to being the Republican Party of losers, the losing party, the ass-kiss, Democrats, please let us get something done party, minority party, nothing done conservatives, rhinos, pieces of shit. That's where Jeff Duncan wants to take us. There is no 2.0. I like my GOP, Right? Because it's spelled M-A-G motherfucking A. It's the one that wins. It will win. There won't be COVID next time. I'm confident. There won't be some bullshit landscape 
for the Democrats to sow their fear. Now, they will anyway. Can you imagine when Trump is nominated or even considered to be the nominee, what they will be saying? Well, it's interesting. Going back to Terry McAuliffe in Virginia, every bit of his campaign up until about two weeks ago was about defeating Trump. They don't talk about it anymore. Now he's got Obama out there, who doesn't have the best record stumping for people. Obama had the balls, and he's always got big balls and covers his ass because he's half black with his super white mom. But Obama's out there saying, and he said, what he said Yunkin's doing, he trumped up a culture war. Asshole, there's a school board under fire right now for covering up two sexual assault allegations committed by the same dude. And it's in writing. So fuck you, Barry, with your trumped-up culture war, you fake, sounding black only when it's convenient to you, asshole. You're a fraud. You always have been. You always managed to bullshit the weak, and you still do, in front of maybe a couple hundred people. Go back and work at Netflix. Round up all the trannies and make sure they go to work, because they're walking out. I like Netflix. Right? Get everybody back to work. Gay, straight, tranny, all of them. Right? They're here to entertain me. I pay 17, what, 18 bucks a month now? I don't care who you sleep with. Don't walk out. Get your ass back in the office. Doesn't Obama run shit over there now? Got some big contract with that whale of a wife of his. Did I just talk about transgender issues and Michelle Obama? Totally not intentional. Not at all. I would never say that about Michael. I mean, Michelle Obama, ever. Let's go back to Jeff Duncan, though. So he's out here trying to create this anti-Trump movement. Good Lord. I wonder where this book's going to land. I mean, is it going to crack the top 500 selling? GOP 2.0. If I see someone reading that, I'm going to want to slap it out of their hand and tell them to grow a pair. Man, woman alike. Give me a break. 2.0. How the 2020 election can lead to a better way forward for America's conservative party. I'm sure this son of a bitch talks about a green initiative in here, right? It, it's, it, I'm going to throw up. I'm not going to read it. Forged by his unexpected struggle for the party's future. Oh, my God. He's a victim, everybody. Jeff Duncan had to do his goddamn job. He actually had to work as lieutenant governor, which is for lazier people than vice presidents. He actually had to do his job as someone who oversees elections, and he's pissed about it. Well, go cry in the car. Because you're not a victim. And no one, by the way, you're a white male. So you can kiss the Democrats' ass all you want. They hate you. No matter what you say, they hate you. Because the white males in their party hate themselves. Nauseating pricks that they are. But, so Obama's, so Duncan's doing this. You got Terry McAuliffe now not attacking Trump. Trump's holding back. He releases a statement every few days because there's a lot to talk about. I mean, the guy that supposedly got 81 million votes and supposedly beat him in states like Arizona and Georgia and Michigan is a total fuck-up. I mean, I've never been in an environment where I can't read one thing a leftist honk can say good about a Democrat president. There's nothing, nothing they can say. There's no result, no positive result that Joe Biden can put on his resume thus far. All he's going to he's going to get some kind of budget in December. Merry Christmas to the lazy assholes of this country. 
And oh, by the way, they're still not done writing that son of a bitch. Because guess what he's talking about now? Not just him, but the pricks who work for him are talking a lot about unrealized capital gains. And don't worry about it. It's only for billionaires. Oh, really? Because Barack Obama, years and years ago, yeah, Barry himself, socialist dick, used to talk a lot about tapping into the gains of 401ks. What I mean is gains that you haven't had a chance to cash in and realize yet. So if there's a good market year and your savings does well, guys like Barry and guys like Senile Joe want a piece of that action. We're talking you paying taxes on gains you haven't cashed in on yet. That's what they want to do with the billionaires. Don't think they will stop there and don't think they haven't thought about how profitable it will be if they could tap into the vast middle class unrealized capital gains. And it ain't just stocks, right? It's all the things that equities make up. 401ks, IRAs, these bastards want it all. Because they know that they might pay a little bit themselves, but it will come back 1,000-fold in power. Poor, lazy losers who don't want to work, who don't want to contribute, who never pay taxes... Those are the ones that are going to vote this crap in. I can tell you right now, if a Democrat ran for election on taxing unrealized capital gains for all savings, they'd at least today get over 40% of the vote. You mark my word. That's how psychotic our opposition is. That's how psychotic the troops in their army are. That's how socialist communists they are. They want to start with the billionaires. And conceptually, I don't care how wealthy someone is, that is a bunch of crap. That is BS to tax these people on gains they haven't cashed in on. And of course, there's all kinds of media rallying of the troops, circling the wagons to defend this concept and say there's all kinds of assets that the super wealthy like the Koch brothers. It's really hard to value in tax. Good. I hate the IRS. What American doesn't or shouldn't hate the fucking IRS? This new bill, spending bill, wants to create 600 more agents to crawl up my ass and tax my checking account. And you think they're going to stop there? They're not going to want in on the interest I make on my savings, my RAs, my 401ks, or anything else? Holy shit, you have a good stock here. doesn't mean you sell everything. doesn't mean you have to pay short-term or long-term capital gains taxes. You only do that if you exercise an option or you sell a stock. They want to do it before you do. They're going to start with the air quotes billionaires, but they're coming for all of us. That's the balls these people have. While Joe Biden's building a wall that you and I are paying for around his goddamn vacation home, not at our border, he's building the wall. I hope you read about that. That came out last week. Like I said, it's crazy week. He wants to take money from us that we haven't had a chance to touch. After taking money from our income, hand over fist already in a tax system that is woefully unfair for those who prosper, these this is their dream chance. It's funny, and we got to be thankful that they're doing this and trying this on the backs of a decrepit, flailing, lost, senile loser like Joe Biden. Because there's no way he's compelling anybody. And people that, Democrats that have a tough election coming up next year in the 2022 midterms are watching Terry McAuliffe right now because Biden's out there campaigning for him too. And if McAuliffe loses, 
holy crap, these Democrats next year are going to have a real hard time linking arms with Joe Biden on the campaign trail. And I mean, it's, and let, if you see any of these videos, I don't know how bad it really is, but I'm listening is nothing but let's go Brandon and F Joe Biden chance anywhere the man goes, even in Scranton, Pennsylvania, where he lived for like 10 months. But whenever he's there in PA, he claims to have been from there. He's from like five cities, I think, maybe 10. It depends on where he's standing. It's like Barack Obama with his Reverend Barack or Reverend Barry voice, right? You know, he, he's, I mean, the guy went to Occidental, okay? He's an Ivy League type. He's very well-spoken. But you put him in Harlem, I mean, he's he's getting down. Eyes of this and we's of that and ain't no this and yeah. Because he's the least genuine human being I've seen in politics in my lifetime. But I got him out. So Terry's scared. Concerts, Barack Obama. There'll be probably a drag parade on election day. All the shit the leftists need to get out and turn out the vote. And they have an enthusiasm issue. So they're nervous. With all this going on, Dave Chappelle is willing to discuss The Closer. That's the name of his comedy special from Netflix that caused all the to-do with the trans community and caused a walkout of all the trans and gay and kind of gay and maybe gay this week community that works at Netflix. They all walked out. Nothing stopped streaming, so I didn't give a shit. But Dave Chappelle has spoken about the controversy. He talked about it. I think it was in New Orleans, or that's coming up. He was sitting and giving one of his great, you know, stand-up, sit-down routines to a packed crowd. And um, to quote, let's see what he said here. It says, It's been said in the press that I was invited to speak to the transgender employees of Netflix, and I refused. That is not true. Of course it's not, Dave. They lie. Going on. He said, If they had invited me, I would have accepted it, although I am confused about what we would be speaking about. I said what I said, and boy, I heard what you said. My God, how could I not? You said you want a safe working environment at Netflix. It seems like I'm the only one that can't go to the office anymore. It's true. This idea that transgendered or gay people are in danger is a complete lie. Because we're all in danger. Anything can happen to us. But this idea that they're still victims is all that they know. They've been weaned on that. They're weak from it. They have nothing else. So Dave Chappelle is the most recent rallying cry for them to scream and moan and complain about how hard their life is. <laughs> but he goes on. I want everyone in the audience to know that even though the media frames it, that it's me versus that community, that is not what it is. Do not blame the LGBTQ community for any of this shit. This has nothing to do with them. It's about corporate interests and what I can say and what I cannot say. Amen. Amen. He's not going to say liberalism. He's not going to say wokeism per se. That's what he's talking about. Because big corporate media, Netflix included, has gone way far to the left. Okay? Way far to the left. And their employees are still never going to be happy. He goes on and he talks, I'll paraphrase it, but he, he made a great point about how during the pandemic, he got a bunch of comedians together, did a comedy special that no one would produce. Now, Chappelle is going to produce what's probably going to be an awesome special. He can do it himself. He's got some investors, but he couldn't get any studio to touch it, okay? Because he is now blacklisted 
by a group of people that make up basically 0.3% of the community. And that is impacting Netflix's decisions. I mean, I think their CEO came out and touted some apology. But it's a great story. I need to watch The Closer. I'm probably going to watch it tonight if I can. Um, Now, this idea that the transgender community, which is a mob, when you talk about meeting with the community, it's not having coffee with a couple of the nice folks in DeCastro. Okay? This is going to be something, and he knows it. Dave's not stupid. He didn't need his agent to tell him to not really go to something like this because it's the mafia sit-down. And it's the bend a knee NFL type meeting. And they're still kneeling. And they're still playing what is the known as the woke national anthem before they play the only national anthem in the United States. It's gross. But Dave said to the transgender community, meaning the mafia, I am more than willing to give you an audience, but you will not summon me. Fuck yes, Dave. You will not summon me. I am not bending to anybody's demands, he went on. And if you want to meet with me, I'd be more than willing to. But I have some conditions. Now, this is the end of it for that group, that mafia, the LGBTQ plus whatever mafia. If they can't control the environment and have you show up and make you apologize and make you to be 100% wrong, they're not going to do it. There's no compromise. There's no equality with them. The ones that lead those groups are sick in the head. You don't, go, you don't go meet with Al Capone and expect to win anything. They're that bad, just not as smart, okay? Not as smart. They probably don't pay their taxes either. But he said, and he goes on, if you want to meet with me, I'd be more than willing to, but I have some conditions. First of all, you cannot come if you have not watched my special from beginning to end. You know they haven't. The leaders of this group, whoever would actually show up, probably hadn't watched it. You must come to a place of my choosing, he said, at a time of my choosing, and thirdly, you must admit that Hannah Gadsby is not funny, <laughs> who is a transgendered supposed comedian. Um, I don't know what pronoun. We'll say her comedy sucks. Okay? Hannah Gadsby is not funny. And when Dave Chappelle says you're not funny, who am I to argue? I mean, I wouldn't, honestly, if I disagreed with him and thought Hannah Gadsby was funny, I probably wouldn't tell you. I don't want to go against Dave Chappelle. He's the world's greatest comedian, arguably, ever. Right now, for sure. But the culture war battles on, and I think this stuff only helps elections that are going on at the time. I have been saying for a few years now the Democrats are going to lose big and take a huge hit in the culture vote because of how far they've invested in transgenderism. Trump won on some of that. It was becoming a major, major talking point, becoming like it is now before COVID. COVID paused and and gave great cover for the lunatic issues of the Democratic Party. And what it did during COVID, during all their lockdowns and festering behind the mask and Trump derangement syndrome, it's made them more bold in their lunacy. And I don't think... You know, remember, we're not talking about the majority of Democrats. All guys like Glenn Youngkin, Donald Trump, any Republican winning has to do is do well with independents. Well, independents hate Joe Biden. And there are people that vote out there and change every election and are not aligning to include the black community with something like transgenderism. They've had issues with 
the LGB community, the black community has for years. It's a problem in the black churches. What do you think they think about transgenderism when Dave Chappelle is very clearly outspoken on it and has taken a side and is now battling that supposed community right now? I think the Democrats have yet to be punished for their stupidity on this singular issue. COVID bought them time and they don't learn from anything. They're stupid people because they're actually a lot of smart liberals do stupid things, say stupid things and believe stupid things because of their emotions, because of their investment in their own victimhood, right? You can be a victim as a billionaire Democratic donor. You, 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 anybody can be a victim in that party. That's how they attract weak-minded people. And if you're not a victim yet, they'll help you find a way to identify as a victim. And if you're not willing to identify as a victim and identify with their victimhood, then you are an oppressor. That's essentially what critical race theory is. For white, you're automatically an oppressor. Believe me, it goes beyond that with the Democrats because they're all leftist liberals now and it's just about disagreeing with them. Then you're an oppressor. Then you're a racist, bigot, homophobe, or in this case, Dave Chappelle, a transphobe. Don't listen to any of the interviews of the other side on this issue. If you've eaten recently, you will vomit on your shoes. Um, the fight will go on to something that's been raging. Um, the fight against mandated COVID vaccines has been raging on, and I did not see this coming to the level it has. Police officers, paramedics, firefighters, all over social media, handing in their boots, their weapons, signing off for the last time, not because they're necessarily anti-vaccine, for those of you who are really slow, it's their anti-mandate, which is what I'm against. I got the vaccine. I don't care if anybody else does. I figured getting the vaccine, one positive would be not giving a shit about what other people did. How stupid was I back when I got it all done in February? Boy, did I have no idea. I was just I made my decision. I had some reasons that are pretty unique. And I did it. And I'm fine. But it doesn't mean it's for everybody. And there certainly has been some issues. You can't deny it. But mandating it? Biden said he wouldn't. I knew that was bullshit when he said it. I said, you know, I don't know. I mean, he's mandating it for anyone who works for a company that has 100 or more, or more employees. He's basically criminalizing anyone who doesn't have the vaccine. And now... In cities like New York, I mean, you tell me, you tell me there's a protest going on in New York City, in Brooklyn. I figure I've got a, you give me five guesses on what the issue is, I'm going to hit it. All I need is five chances, maybe even three, right? I mean, come on, racism, gay rights, you know, social, you know, poor people need more stuff. I mean, come on, it's easy. Right? It's not a difficult game of bingo when liberals are involved. No, folks, they're protesting against vaccine passports and mandates. And in Brooklyn, during these protests, you hear it, let's go Brandon, F. Joe Biden. A fair amount. And there's no, nobody's tearing down the signs that say F. Joe Biden like they, do, they did recently to a couple comedians at a protest where it just said, let's go Brandon, and these guys, they freak out. 
they get violent. Liberals always get agitated and can get very violent when not only, usually disagreeing with them gets them really upset, but it's when you put them in a corner where their stupid, ignorant arguments can't help them anymore, and that's when they get nasty. So folks, I you know, vaccine mandates are popular with a loud minority. How popular though? I don't know. I think I think the Democrats really missed on this one politically. If they assume that everybody who was vaccinated or got one shot and is about to get the second is somehow in favor of mandating that vaccine. They just don't get what America is about. And uh, this is, um, you know, Elise Stefanik, Republican representative, is blasting Democrats over unconstitutional and reckless mandates. I mean, the problem they have in areas like New York that will always vote Democrat, okay, I mean, in our lifetime for sure, um, you know, maybe something cool can happen with Curtis Schliwa, uh, who's running for mayor against the elitist snob former police captain who's on TikTok and vacations in the Hamptons, this typical liberal, is probably going to walk away with the mayor's race. But Curtis Schliwa of the um, Guardian Angels fame, this is the founder. I've mentioned him before. If you can watch any of his social media, this guy is moving, and he's popular. Again, it's New York City. But he's going to do better than people thought because of these mandates. Because surgeons and people are getting fired for speaking against man mask mandates. That happened in Minnesota. This, this psychotic stuff goes on and on around the country. And this poor this guy, this surgeon at Lake Region Healthcare in Fergus Falls, Minnesota. This, this guy, and this is an older surgeon by the pictures, named Dr. Jeffrey Horick, the hospital's general surgeon of 16 years was fired less than two weeks after saying that parents should be able to make decisions about masks for their children. He's fired. That's Minnesota. I don't think, and I in states like Minnesota, this could really backfire. The communities that know people like Dr. Jeffrey Horrock, that are friends with them, that go to church with them, See him differently. You don't see him as an ideologue. And here's a man, they show him at a podium in some auditorium at some school board meeting speaking to a bunch of losers. Imagine the liberal nutcases sitting across on the stage for him. They're not pictured. I just can only imagine what they believe. He's out of a job now. Now he'll get hired again. But he probably likes, he's been there 16 years. This is a big person at the hospital. And he was let go because as a physician, he thinks parents should have a say. It's, he didn't even make a clinical statement. He's talking about parental freedom, which is a big issue right now because of what Terry McAuliffe said in Virginia about parents not having a say in what their schools teach their kids. That put Glenn Youngkin in the driver's seat to maybe win that thing. But they're firing people who simply say Americans should have the freedom to decide blank. They're firing them. They're doxing them. They're outing these people. That, this is, in my opinion, war-worthy stuff. 
I don't see how this goes on. And elections get fixed and bullshit continues and Democrats keep winning somehow in this environment. It doesn't make sense. And it it makes me a little nervous. I I'll be on next week. I'll be on before that. We'll talk. But when McAuliffe and Youngkin go head to head and the winners decided, uh, I'm going to have some analysis. I'll have, there should be plenty of numbers. And if it stinks, we'll be able to smell it. it it'll be in the numbers. Um, independence will not turn out for McAuliffe. So that'll be a big red flag if he does decent with independence. I don't buy that. Um, great story I want to talk about is this Marine veteran who stopped a robbery in progress. He received a Valor Award from the Yuma County Sheriff's Office in Arizona. This Marine veteran, his name's James Kilser. He was awarded Tuesday uh, at a ceremony, and he showed up with a Let's Go or Let's Go Brandon hat <laughs> with his big beard. And the video is great. I don't know if you've seen it. There's no sound unless you get to watch one of the versions where they've added sound in a, t- in a retake. But this guy's sitting, he's got a bag in his hand, assuming he's waiting to pay at the gas station. And the two humans that walk in, I mean, I don't know if it's the angle of the camera, but Jeff, the Marine veteran, looks like he's 250, 6'4". And the two perpetrators who have masks over the heads are both wearing fitted jeans, are tiny. They look like they just stepped off of an Antifa we feel sorry for ourselves, bus. They roll into the door, and this squeaker has the balls to point a gun in this dude's face. And and Jeff, Jeff's got something in his hand, and he drops it. I don't know what he's got. Like, he got like a Snickers bar or some jerky. He's got a bag in his right hand. He's just standing kind of near the door with the Haagen-Dazs Nestle's freezer that it, the, all these gas stations have. He's got that kind of to his left before he turns over. He sees this guy, and it's great because it's two of them. So Squeaker 1 comes through the door. He brandishes the firearm. Squeaker 2 is just entering. Door's not even closed yet. Jason swipes the gun away and pummels Squeaker 1 in off camera, off the screen, like evaporated. Okay? Squeaker 2 is so frightened. I mean, he shits his pants. His stonewashed designer jeans slips, falls, staggers out into the night. Gone. I mean, dude, you fools brought a gun in. And this guy's got a bag in one hand and a bar in the other. And with one movement, swipes the gun away, and I hope pummeled that kid into the tile. It's awesome in and of itself. I don't care what the guy believes politically, but let's be real, he's a Marine veteran, and he beat the shit out of two squeakers coming into the gas station with a gun. We know who he likes, right? He's got a big, badass beard. He looks like he knows how to brush his teeth, right? He doesn't look like he hates himself, and he shows up, (laughs) and Yuma County's pretty red, if I remember correctly, in Arizona. He shows up with a, oh, I'm sorry, let's go Brandon shirt, and a Make America Great Again hat. That is fantastic. And the Yuma County Sheriff, with his big old western mustache, was more than proud to take a picture with the big plaque, handing him the Valor Award in Yuma, Arizona. You got to love it, right? I mean, 
this guy could this guy knew he forfeited interviews with any and all of the media except for Fox and a few right wing websites when he showed up in that gear he wasn't going to be covered because we know liberals would have just taken a knee and offered the two guys coming in with the gun a BJ right we know we know what they're about please don't shoot take everything i deserve it can you imagine someone like Terry McAuliffe were standing there he would apologize for being white handed him his wallet and probably told the cops he wouldn't talk to him, right? Because they're supposed to be defunding him anyway. Um, if you're worried about the state of our law enforcement community, with all of them walking out, getting fired, laid off, suspended because they don't want a mandatory vaccine, it's okay. Joe Biden's on it because he is calling for the elimination of cash bail, which has led to nightmares in a city like New York, Okay. He's eliminating the bail system that we know of. And basically, you're just releasing people on their own recognizance. You're not requiring a bondsman to get involved. And he wants to end this federally. So he wants to make this nightmare ours in all 50 states. But don't worry. He's calling for a gender equity plan. A gender bias and sexual misconduct equity plan. It's a 42-page White House report entitled... National Strategy on Gender Equity and Equality. Quote, and we will work to end cash bail and reform our pretrial system, recognizing the harm these processes cause, particularly for black women and families. The fuck? What? 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 I'm sorry, but is that, first of all, is that kind of racist? Why are black women, moms, so disenfranchised by a cash bail system, bro, what are you implying? I mean, statistically, the implication's not hard to make. Sorry if you don't like that a single-digit percent of the community commits well over 60% of the crimes. Is that why he's saying black women and families are burdened by cash bail? Okay, so your sons are going to be released? And basically said, hey... We want to save your family money. You can. You don't have to be in jail before your trial, before your hearing. Just don't get in trouble anymore. We're going to be watching you. That's great. That's how guys like George Floyd decide to break into your pregnant sister's house and hold a gun to her stomach while his boys rob you. You didn't know that story? They don't like to talk about that when they paint the murals of that piece of shit. The report calls for a, quote, whole-of-government approach. Holy shit. That's basically globalism. Get scared when they talk about a whole-of-government approach to ending gender inequalities. I don't... I, so they're talking about inequalities of men and women when, I'm sorry, you look at any sentencing comparison. You take a man convicted of the same crime as a woman. The women get a mere percentage of the same sentence. It, the st that stat has been a nightmare for decades. Women get it easy. Women should admit this when it comes to sentencing in criminal cases. It's a joke. I mean, whether it's molestation, whether it's violent crime, it, it's pathetic. All right? Don't even get me started about family court and divorce. It's like, I mean, I'm, I'm sure women should win most, but they win like over 80% of family cases. It's already, we don't need gender equality 
in any of this shit. Okay? It's equal. Because men are losing. That's good enough, right? Okay, fine. But the calls to end cash bail, this continues on from Fox News, the calls to end cash bail come at a time when FBI data show an unprecedented, unprecedented rise in violent crime with the numbers of murders in the U.S. rising by nearly 30% in 2020. Joe Biden, if you're stupid, no one can say you don't have great timing. Oh my God. So he wants to basically eliminate, federally eliminate, for all of us, the bail system that makes it difficult for violent suspects to get back on the street. And remember, none of these people pay the cash amount, you idiot Joe Biden. They get a bondsman who basically invests in and covers it. I don't know the specifics of how the bond works, but if you skip and don't show up to court, ask Dog the Bounty Hunter what has to happen. He has to come out and find you. Okay? He has to find you because otherwise he owes that money. And from what I understand, if you if the judge gives you a $20,000 bail amount, a bail bondsman is going to get you out for two. You pay 10%, but you got to give him collateral. You got to own something. Okay? That's not a problem if your kid shows up to court, mom, who maybe has to sign over the deed to her home. I'm sorry your kid's a piece of shit and your boy didn't show up to court. Your house is now owned by the bail bondsman. That's how it works. It's incentive for your shitty son to show up because you went out on the line to get him out of jail before his hearing. And if he doesn't, it's not like they come and take your house. The bondsman is a bounty hunter. He's coming to get your ass. And there's a warrant out for you for not showing up for court. And if you've seen Dog the Bounty Hunter, yeah, if you've missed out, if you haven't, they go in pretty heavy. But Joe Biden is going to make it gender equal and ironically put women in danger with crap like this. I don't know what his White House paper does. This, to me, should have to go through Congress. Are we not a constitutional republic, Joe? To close out, let's talk about Joe Manchin. He's not a moderate. This has been going on behind all these crazy stories. And actually, let's, we're gonna, we'll talk about Alec Baldwin real quick, too. But I wanted to mention Manchin because he's held out. I think Cinema's the more interesting one. She's the senator from Arizona. She's not talking to anybody. It's driving the left nuts. I have some faith in her to at least not let this thing go totally crazy. I hope she and Manchin are talking. But Manchin is establishing himself and his image with the Republican state he's from, West Virginia. right? This battle, making him look like he's a holdout against the Democrats, is mostly a ruse. Yeah, he's not going to sign a 3.5. He's going to sign a $1.5 trillion deal that it's going to put cash into programs that have no benefit to America as a whole. All right? Some roads might get built. Some buildings might get updated. But the vast majority is one big socialist program. And they're furious at him because he won't let them do the $3.5 trillion. I hope he doesn't buckle on that. He's been pretty adamant that he won't. But he's not some hero for wanting to spend $1.5 trillion the country doesn't have. He's a modern-day progressive, according to Fox. Modern-day progressive wolf hiding under the sheep's clothing of his moderate moniker. And, I mean, cinema's going to buckle at some point, too. And finally, what is the story of the month and maybe one of the top stories of the year is Alec Baldwin's freak 
negligent shooting of their director of cinematography, I believe, killing her and almost killing the other director uh, with a live round, an actual bullet in an actual gun. Prop gun, blah, 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 bullshit. It's a gun. It had a round. If you think there's a difference, ask the family of the deceased. All right, he smoked her. And the left is, boy, talk about circling the wagons. I mean, they re- it's tough for them to blame the gun because <laughs> this was a low-budget movie. And Alec is in trouble no matter what. I think he might be in more trouble as a producer who neglected complaints about safety to the point in pay not being on time. There had been walk-offs. So there's a documented record of poor management in a poor working environment, a dangerous working environment already, and then this nightmare happens. He's handed a gun, and this woman, this fairy pixie princess who seems to like guns, but if you look at her social media, it's in a real Hollywood sort of check-me-out, you know, Kill Bill way, because, you know, I'm stunning and brave with my guns and my pink hair. This loser was supposedly the chief gun expert on set. There's rumors that she would go out there in New Mexico, I guess, would go shooting and had mixed in the live ammo with the blanks that were supposed to be used. Now, by looking at her, yeah, she's probably an idiot. Why don't people realize they're being handed something dangerous by an idiot? So Alec Baldwin takes this gun... And at that point, any certified weapons firearms expert will tell you, you check the weapon. I don't care what the person says. I don't care they say there's no rounds in it. One, you should know the weapon you're handling and know the feel of a loaded gun. You should know the weight. But this was a 45 replica revolver. This is an old Western they're shooting. And Alec could have easily checked every round. And one would have had a slug in it. And finally... The protocol for guys like Clint Eastwood, who know a thing about shooting a Western and handling guns on set, is I've read guys like Clint never actually pointed a weapon at anybody. The camera angles make that possible. Okay? And so Alec, not even shooting, is rehearsing and says something like, you want me to do it like this, and unloads this weapon at this woman and kills her. And he's got the the husband and the family all on his side right now. I don't know. I can tell you right now, um, if it's not Alec Baldwin, he needs lawyers and he's in trouble. This is a negligent death. This death is due to negligence, and I don't think it falls on pixie fairy gun handler with her pink hair. Alec, okay? Uh, He's in deep shit and should be. And let's be real. I'm not crying for him too much when I see his tweets and I see his TikToks and I see his videos over the years lambasting people who were in serious situations, one of which he said, imagine shooting somebody who was unarmed, trolling a cop who had to shoot somebody who wasn't compliant in a dangerous situation. Well, Alec... How does it feel? Because that's the problem with social media and Twitter, pal. It never goes away. It's forever. And a guy talking shit about guns and making the gun, the pro-gun, pro-Second Amendment movement look like hell for years 
condescending us, making people feel stupid, jumping on every opportunity you could with absolute insensitivity to gain traction on the issue, you have the nerve to handle a gun so poorly and so negligently that you are definitely the liberal hypocrite of the year, maybe of the decade. And he's hurt over it. He killed somebody. No matter what he believed going into this, he fired a live round at somebody and killed them. People live with post-traumatic stress disorder their entire lives when they do that in a perfectly valid legal shoot scenario. In combat, and law enforcement, it is still something to deal with. And I don't know if we'll see Alec Baldwin act again. He will be able to. Remember, Hollywood forgives its own. Liberal, pervert, nutcases on the left, which is most of Hollywood, will forgive anything. They will forgive anything. And so we'll see how that one develops, but I'm not crying too much for Alec Baldwin. Thanks for listening in. Listening in, I know it went long, but it's been a while. I will be back at least a couple times this week. Have a great day. We will talk to you soon. Take care.